FarzCast. Farzee Mizugin here with you. Hope you guys had a great weekend. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. I, I'm sure a lot of you guys probably have a short week getting ready for the 4th of July weekend. Uh, I'll be going to Vegas this weekend. I haven't been to Vegas in a year and a half. I usually go a few times a year. So it just kind of feels weird. Has, has been a long time. So I'm very excited for that. Real quickly, uh, before we move on and uh, introduce our guest, uh, I just want to mention this real quickly. Something that's really special to me. Um, 28 years ago today uh, was the day my family and I came to the United States. I, I posted a photo on social media on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter uh, of the first home we lived in. It's actually a small area, area uh, small home in a very bad area in Kansas City. Uh you know, it, that photo is always a nice, humble reminder of my past. And, you know, I've got my parents to thank for. I was only two when I came here, but my parents always did whatever they could to keep a roof over our heads. Um, just hard work, man. Hard work, and uh, you'll get to where you want to be. Uh, just keep working at it. But uh, speaking of good stuff, uh, my guest right here, he's had a lot of good stuff, a lot of great stuff, in fact, happened to him in 2021. He's had a hell of a year. Uh, very excited to talk to him about all of that and everything else in between. Uh, you guys know him as the former head coach of Independence Community College, and that was, of course, featured on Last Chance U Seasons 3 and 4. He's got his own podcast, the Slapdick Podcast. Very excited to talk to this guy once again, Jason Brown here on the podcast. Jason, what's going on, man? What's up, brother? I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I appreciate you making time for us. I know you're you're a busy guy. I know you were you were just in Vegas, in fact. Uh, yeah. I, I, one weekend apart, man. We could have uh, hung out, had some slapdick whiskey, and all shoot shit, all kinds of good stuff. Man, uh, no doubt, man. I, hey, I'm a three hour drive away, so it ain't too bad for me to hop <laughs> on the road. Uh, by the way, before we get going, I've got to ask you because I know you announced on your podcast that your whiskey is going to be in Kansas. There was, I, I messaged a bunch of liquor stores near me. Only one of them said they'll have it. And I, I asked them recently, they said they don't have it yet. Is your whiskey out there? Or, or, or I, I don't know if you know the answers to that. How does that all work? Ma'am, now you're starting to piss me off because I'm going to call my fucking distiller. Um, it's supposed to be in the whole state of Kansas by the 1st of July. Okay. So that's what I've been told. Now, I do know that the state of Kansas um, purchased 600 bottles to disperse amongst different stores. Now, that, that goes down to like, it's kind of like a, we have a broker that's, so each state, man, I'm learning all this shit. Each state requires a registration for liquor. Okay. So we just got registered in Tennessee and Florida, by the way. So we're going to try to be in 49 states here by the first of the year um, of 22. But Tennessee just got approved. Uh, Oklahoma is still pending. Arkansas, Missouri is still pending. Kansas was approved, and the liquor was actually picked up from our distrib distribution warehouse. And it was, uh, it's, I think it was been delivered in Kansas already. And now it's up to the broker and the actual distributors in the state of Kansas to put them in the stores that they have deals with. So from what I understand, a majority of liquor stores in Kansas, the state of Kansas, not Missouri, but the Kansas side will have slap dick. So hopefully July one, I'm just waiting to hear back. Um, but that's what it looks like. I know it's there and it will be there. It's been approved. It's just a matter of, just logistics about okay logistically speaking they have to get the shit out it man it, it's just so hard i don't know if you're a pro wrestling fan or if you're a fan of old school pro wrestling but 
Stone Cold Steve Austin has his IPA beer, and I've been wanting to try that for, man, I don't know how many years. Uh, and it's not in the Midwest. I mean, it's out there in some yeah. states, not everywhere, but I can, I, I guess this, this kind of stuff is harder than uh, some might think. Um, yeah, it's not a, you're not maker's mark conglomerate where you're just in everything and everywhere, you know, that takes time and they cornered the market at the right time. Like I found out, you know how many whiskey, are you a whiskey bourbon guy at all? Do you drink not whiskey? really, actually, no. So, but you're aware of how many whiskeys there are. Oh, Jack yeah. Daniel, Slap, uh, you know, Baker. Jameson. Jameson is a yeah. more of an Irish whiskey, but just, just talking bourbon whiskey, um, you know, there's hundreds of them. There's only two distilleries though that actually own the whiskey in the world, and they all branch out to all those people. So those are the people that get it. They figured the shit out. The other ones are just a bunch of slap dicks, like me. Um, so like Maker's Mark, Jack, Angels Envy, all these different ones. They probably use the same damn distiller that makes the whiskey. What they do is they buy about, let's just say, they Maker's Mark will buy a million gallons or whatever and then they get with their distillers and then they make their own whiskey blend and create maker's mark but the base whiskey all comes from same places there's two big time distillers in the country or in the world actually they're the ones that have the market you have to you have to buy from them you have to buy the base and then it's up to you how you make your whiskey taste you know what i mean yeah so we bought a five age barrel base whiskey from kentucky and and we've dumbed it down to 90 proof from 181 proof we came you know that's how it comes because it's raw and cut we we blended our own ways and we got it down to 90 proof and we like it it's 96 rated points um 96 points which is really really high like one of the highest um as a newcomer whiskey once we hit the stores we're going to try to get it as like the newcomer of the year type of deal and uh, it's getting raved about. I mean, celebrities, everybody's buying it and saying, man. This, so they're pushing it. And we're doing great online. Like 5,000 units a month online, which is unbelievable for me. But once Oh, we your whiskey is available online? Oh, yeah. It's been online for a year. Oh, shit. I, I would have got it by now. If I, okay, I'll have to get that when oh, I yeah. get back to Vegas. I, I you knew that. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Well, that's one way to get a... To, get a hand on, yeah. on the whiskey because here's what i was gonna do um but the thing was, is about it, the thing about it is that's cut you up like, no sure go ahead certain states can't buy it online either because there's liquor like oh. tennessee kentucky the the big time whiskey states you know because of the prohibition and the bylaws and all these different things they can't even buy it online like michigan so we have to get it in stores in some states because they can't even buy it online and just remember Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas, like probably my four biggest fan bases, haven't even had my whiskey really yet. Interesting. Because here's what I was going to do. I was actually going to buy your whiskey, not even open it. Right. I was going to I, I was gonna do a taste test on this podcast right here. But uh, I, I was thinking of pushing the podcast back. But, you know, I, I want to talk to you. I could have sent you a bottle. So. You a bottle. No, yeah, it's all good. I just took uh, to Vegas, man, and we had a uh, – I spoke to a few fintech companies out in Vegas this past weekend and, and they, uh, it was a, uh, they all had my whiskey, man. They all wanted it. So they had bought some and they all had it during the, the meetings and shit. And they, they loved it. I remember you told me the last time you were on the podcast that, uh, Danny green back when he was with the Lakers, when the Lakers won the championship, they had your, uh, your cigar. Yeah. 
uh, on the court for, for celebrating, yeah. which is pretty yeah. cool. They had the whiskey too. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know about the whiskey. That's awesome. Yeah. But see, you know, those big companies like that, man, um, you know, the PR firms have certain companies that they're only allowed to be on camera with. So like for cigar wise, they had Drew estate. So if you see LeBron smoking after they won, he had a Drew estate cigar in his mouth. Um, but they all are smoking slapdicks and drinking slapdick whiskey in the hotel room. And then, you know, Danny obviously sent me videos privately that I have um, of them drinking and smoking, but they won't allow you to do it on their, on live TV. Yeah, I got you. Uh, well, yeah, man, I'll, uh, I'll have to, if it's not in stores, um, yeah, by, by, you know, the next week or two in July, yeah, I'll definitely get it online. I didn't, I didn't know it was on your, uh, yeah, on your website. Slapdick, slapdickinc.com. All right. Slapdickinc.com. There you go. Yeah. Uh, listen, man, You've had uh, quite a 2021, uh, and we're not even ha- we're we're almost halfway through the year. Uh, I guess we'll start, you know, with the first big story that came out for you. And by the way, I remember when you were on the podcast before. I was actually going to try to watch uh, the entire uh, season three and four before uh, you um, were going to join me. I didn't get a chance to watch all of them because uh, uh, we kind of agreed sporadically on when you were going to come on. Um, but, but I went and watched everything afterwards and it was kind of interesting hearing your commentary and then rewatching your season. And a lot of things you said did make sense. Cause you know, as you've said many times, not everything is clear on an episode cause it's condensed and everything. Um, but I remember, uh, seeing the episode where they mentioned your daughter and you haven't seen her in so many years. And I actually went and Googled to see if you did reunite with your daughter, if, if, if the if Netflix helped you guys reunite and there were actually a lot of people on Reddit on message boards, actually asking the same thing, wanting to know if this happened. Wow. Sure enough, at the beginning of the year, you and your daughter did reunite. Um, talk about that. Uh, what has that been like for you to, to finally have um, that part of your life uh, in a good spot, at least? Yeah, it's been, it was good, man. We know um, she is crazy because, you know, it's been 13 years before January was, hooked up with her again and she was at a party and i guess they were playing last chance you at the party on tv i I heard that you guys did a big podcast about it too yeah yeah and then not only was she she was like looked at me and like i know that guy she's like that's like fucking me my picture as a baby like she's like what's going on she's like she stops the party because she has that it factor i guess like like her old man. She's like, everyone shut the party down for her to look at this TV. Like, hold on. What the hell is this? Wow. And everybody's like, man, it's last chance. That's my dad. That's me. And they're like, what? And she kind of, from that point on, I think she, it clicked something clicked to realize, okay, let me, I need to reach out to my pops. I know he tried to reach out to me and for whatever reason, my mother kept, him away from me, whatever the story may be from her side of perspective that she got from her, but I know the truth and I try to tell her the truth. So we bonded, man. We reconnected. I took her to Vegas a few times. Just can't, yeah. she comes, she comes over my house quite a bit. And, um, you know, as any father, daughter, parent, child's going to have some ups and downs, even after reuniting after 13 years. So, um, it's just one of those processes where, you know, you kind of still filling each other out. It's been five, six months. And, um, but you know, it's a good deal that she's back. Uh, you know, at least we know who we each other are and so forth and so on and kind of what's going on in each other's lives. And she's not too far from me. Um, she's downtown LA. So she's an hour, hour and a half from me, but, um, 
So when we do see each other, we, when we can, we do. I know uh, when you guys did that podcast together, and by the way, I see your dogs in the background. I've, I've got to address this real quickly. Is that Stogie in the background? Um, Stogie's laying down below me right here on the right. That's okay, Kat Stogie. This is the girl, the mother of the child, of the kids that she that Stogie just had. Okay, yeah, I, I do remember you posted about that lately. Yeah, is is Sto- Stogie is the one we saw on the Netflix series, correct? Right. Yep. Okay, just want to make sure. Asshole. <laughs> These ones are all beautiful, nice. Nice one. Stogie's the asshole, but the Stogie's the loyal, most loyal. And he, you know, he's the one that'll, uh, you know, he's just crazy. I see you posting about your dogs all the time. I don't listen. I don't have pets. And if I did, I would be such a bad pet owner. Cause I just, I I mean, I just don't have time. I've got so many crazy things going on. I mean, how do you, how do you juggle life with three, four five dogs? I got five right now, man. Cause I got the puppy still. Um, the last, the pick of the litter puppy, Doughboy, I called him, his name. He's still here. So uh, I got a little gate up that they can't go in the living room or the house. So they're in my office only, and they go in the garage out to the backyard. So it's kind of a, they don't go in the house house. But sometimes Sogi's ass will knock over my fucking gate and go, everybody will be in there. I'm like, <laughs> fucker. Um, man, I live by one thing, brother. And you know what that is? And a lot of people... Don't ever really think about it, but I can say about, I can probably break down five things that's right now real quick. And you'll be like, damn, that's true. I believe you make time for what's important yeah. in life, period. I don't give a shit what it is. And the dogs are more important than a female or fucking my friend or whoever, you know what I mean? And so I'm going to make sure that they're, Number one, that's just what's important to me priority wise, I guess. Um, so I'm going to make time for them and everything else has to be scheduled around it. And so some people be like, well, that's my money. And well, that's my money too. You know, I mean, I made 40 grand on puppies off them. You know what I mean? It's not cause I, that's what I wanted to do, but that's what I charged and that's what I got. So it's like, you know, you got to kind of, if you meet that girl you want and, hey, man, you went cold turkey on me. Well, it wasn't important. Like, why don't she text me? She not, you're not important to her, dude. Exactly. Just, just make sure you understand. People don't realize that shit. They think, oh, you don't have time for me. No, I do. The person will give you all these excuses. No, you don't. If you had time, it'd be, if it was important to you, you'd make time. Yeah. That's what I believe in life, period. No matter what it is, job, kid, friend, business, whatever. If it's important, you'll make the time. So they're important. Um, Everything else is second fiddle, man. And even though I got to still make ends meet and do all these things, um, they're pretty self-sufficient, though. The way I have it set up here, I got a huge setup in the backyard for them. It's very clean, nice. They can go in and out of the garage where it's cooler. It's hotter than five degrees here today. Um, that thing's fanned up with water and mystifiers. They got kings and queen lives, man. So they live like kings and queens. And um, if I do have to leave, but I'll never leave them like overnight, even though I can, um, I'll have somebody come over that knows them. And uh, okay, so they'll watch them or for me. So yeah, 
Kind of. I've always wondered how that worked. You know, if you're going out of town or <clears throat> whatever you're doing, yeah, but no, that, that makes sense for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, back to what we were talking about. You and your daughter did a. Uh, I don't, I don't want to call it a tell-all, but you guys really did dive deep and, and talk about a lot of things. And I know at the yeah. end of that podcast, uh, she welcomed people, you know, if they're having similar issues, mm-hmm. she welcomed the opportunity for people to message her. And I believe you did it as well. What's the reaction been like from people? Have you heard similar stories from, from other people? Oh, yeah. She had like, she got like 100,000 TikTok followers overnight almost. Um from the video YouTube video that we did, she got like, she does TikTok, and I didn't never did the shit TikTok, but <laughs> um, she does it. And she, uh, she got like a hundred thousand followers, man, almost like instantaneously just because of a video she posted about meeting me um, for the first time and all this stuff. And then everybody, nobody knew that was her, my daughter. So everybody's like, wait up, that's your dad. And 99% of it was positive. Actually, you know, you're going to always have the, the 1% hate and doubt doubters out there uh the naysayers but 99 percent of it has been actually real positive and people have come out to her i uh, reached out to her about the similar situation quite a bit and uh people s- talk to me on my podcast and stuff or on my youtube channels and social media i get messages all the time about it too um it's just so hard man when i, I fired my publicist man and i had like thirty-five thousand dms that i didn't know about um so I'm dealing with 35,000 DMs right now. And so it's like, it's crazy. Bonham. This is my puppy. 120 pound puppy. Eight months old, but he's a puppy. Come here, Bonham. Come here. He's just a big old baby. But uh, so, yeah, it's just one of those deals. You know, um, I just think it's, uh, it's just perceptions reality, man. That's really the crazy part about life. Well, I really do appreciate you two doing that because, I mean, people look at you, oh, hey, this successful uh, junior college coach who was featured on Netflix, he must live this perfect life. Uh, you know, people yeah. think that about almost any celebrity or athlete, whoever, but it's like, you know, you and I, we might have similar, similar problems in life. Um, Can you clarify some things so everyone that listens, your guests listen and understand? I got paid zero dollars for net from Netflix for that show, just so everybody's clear out there, because a lot of people think I got this money and shit. And uh, <laughs> it's crazy. But no, the truth is they didn't pay me a dollar. And I had to do all this by being a hustler and taking the platform that they gave me that I didn't ask for that they gave me and created whiskey, cigars, podcasts, books, you name it. That's how it works, man. It is. And if I would have known the business or the game, so to speak, um, they would have put my ass as an executive producer and I'd been got paid from that shit because I know for a fact they made billions of dollars off of my name and I've got paid zero. And if you really want to dive deep, you can argue that I'm unhirable because of the show. So there's a lot of little things involved that people don't really look at and or see and they just think all glitter's gold. No. This house I bought brand new, these cars I got brand new. That shit's I I went and dug deep and hustled that shit. I, nothing came easy to me ever in my life. I, I went from living in a car growing up to owning a few. That's all. And I figured out how to get from point A to point B, however the road deemed necessary. So that is just how it is. And and uh 
that's why I don't feel sorry for a lot of these people that come out. Oh, can I get this? Can I get that? No, but I'll, I'll, t- I'll teach you how to get it, but I'm not going to give it to you. Nobody yeah. taught, nobody gave this shit to me. Uh, well, well, you did talk, touch on uh, the series, and I know you've t- talked a lot about uh, this actually in the past couple of months because you've gotten a lot of questions about this recently. And I'm sure with like quarantine and everything, people probably watch shows that they've never watched before. So you probably had a, a you know some new fans, yeah. a new audience yeah. Uh, yeah. through all this. I, I know one question you get a lot is about Bobby Bruce, and they made Bobby Bruce look like this, you know, uh, guy who plays every snap. And, and you mentioned on your podcast, he only played like eight or nine snaps a game. In fact, I remember watching one of the episodes. He actually did say, you know, I didn't play a whole lot. So yeah. they, they made him look like this big time linebacker in the junior college realm, but they really do. In fact, one thing that really upset me, you shared a story, um, that there was one player who found out that a family member of his got shot and killed and he comes to your office and you're just hugging him while he's crying. You know, I, I, I want to see things like that. And it's not like they're on TV. It's not like they're on some time limit. So I don't know what restrictions they have. Have you ever asked, uh, Greg, I don't know if it's Whitley or Whiteley, the uh, executive producer, have you ever asked him, you know, why did you omit those things? Yeah, I had him on my podcast and I actually did. And, um, you know, he's the producer and, and, and all that. He's got a bunch of other executive producers. They kind of, his deal is they kind of get together. They kind of do a has and have nots or do and do nots kind of deal and break down. Okay. And they vote it. They have a vote of amongst of like 20 people on as far as certain things, because so he'll cut and take this whole big old 3,000 hours, first of all. They yeah. got to get to 16 hours. Well, eight hours for one season. So let's just say 2,000 hours filming me in eight hours. He'll kind of do a rough draft on all that himself as the producer. And then everything that's kind of the fat, so to speak, that needs to be trimmed, which is, in layman's terms, the things you don't see that were cut out they take it to vote and they say okay what you just asked (laughs) i ask all the time nick saban coming in the office telling the my boss how well organized and structured this program is and it's the most well organized juco he's ever seen and why wouldn't that be on there but then you got me running around walmart cussing at my players for stealing you know what i mean like yeah i don't know but I know ratings are important to him. Well, let me ask this because, uh, and by the way, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it's, you've made it clear that there were some parts you weren't happy about how you were portrayed, but in some way, I mean, you just talked about this. You, you've found a way to take advantage of this and look this, and I don't know if this would have happened without last chance you, but this ultimately did help you reunite with your daughter. Is this something that you're, you're happy that this happened at the end of the day? The show or the Netflix? The show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, I don't know. I never, you know, I don't know if happy is the word. Um, because remember, I turned them down the first time they called me and I just didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't even watch the Mississippi shows. If it wasn't for some mentors of mine saying, you know, who are you to turn, you know, not to have an opportunity to give to a bunch of young brothers, African-American coaches and players, the platform, you know, and I'm like, so I stepped on it, like shit, you know, 
that an opportunity could be good for them. 13 coaches got division one jobs and in four, three and a half years and over 101 players went division one in three years. So they're both national records. You know, that's, that's something that I don't want to not have happened. You know what I mean? Um, But the show brought that stuff. So there's no real, you can't have it both ways. Um, So you have to kind of, I'm all, I've always been a sacrificial lamb, so to speak, man, because I'm the only one that's always, I'm the only one that really, that I grew up with, um, or know for that matter, the guy that stuck his head out when a lot of cats were afraid to get it shut off, chopped off. And I stuck it out there thinking I'm going to find the new best thing. And I always left LA and moved and went to college in Kansas, went and played and left and took a job in Kansas back 20 years later. Like I moved to Bakersfield out of California, LA. I, I've always was the one that willing to do what others want to do. And I don't know. I mean, um, you know, so saying that is like, okay, I got broad shoulders. I'll take the, you know, the heat, I guess on the thing. And if the positive outweighs the negative and the negative is basically the depiction of me as the figurehead of this show, so be it. And a lot of people in my corner are like, no, screw that. You got screwed. Um, there is morals in the world and, you know, they're making billions off of you and da, 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 da. And I see both sides, man. You know, I mean, it's not about money at the end of the day, but it is about, there is some fair game to this stuff we do. And I can't be a sucker either and and get screwed um, while you're out there making, you know, billions. That's, that's kind of crazy. That's kind of, seems a little bit uh, crazy to me, but that's how this world operates, by the way. (laughs) There's been a lot before me and a lot after me that that'll happen to. So, you know, I guess that's a you problem at the end of the day. But that I can sleep at night knowing that I helped a lot of kids and coaches and they got on and moved on. And if that's what the sacrifice was, then so be it. I accepted it. I can't regret and renege and go back. And um, I accepted it. And then that's what I got to live with. So, you know, there's no looking in the rearview mirror, man. It only deters from what's what's ahead. Well, you've mentioned many times uh, on social media and on your podcast and I know you get, Hey, Oh, you know, you're, you're a horrible person. You, you cuss at kids. It's like, look, uh, I'll tell you what, man, I, I played, sports in middle school and i i remember in high school i was in the broadcasting classes and they would let us film practice man the things coaches say to teenagers and oh. middle school and high school it's like if, if they think you're such a horrible person yeah i mean i, I guess these people have never played sports before yeah um, i don't you know, know. i found out i put this together like 20 years ago i think it happened 20 years ago i just put it together recently but Everybody that says the shit you just said are no offense to you, but they were the journalist guys that went out and filmed it and put it in the, put it in the yearbook. And it was the guys that went to prom and the athlete or whatever stole his girlfriend at the dance. And to this day, he regrets fucking athletes because he's got his girlfriend snatched by a basketball, football, baseball player. And he hates sports and athletics. And 
he'll always talk bad about him for the rest of his life. And that's half of the newspaper reporters in this country. Sadly enough, that's yeah. really, that's how they are. Yeah, that is true. That's them in a nutshell. The one of the guys that chart that pressed these charges on me, who is fucking unbelievable, right? Like yeah. it's, it's crazy how this shit even happened. Uh, basically, I'll tell you the story, but one of the guys who owned the newspaper reporter uh, uh, paper in this town of Independence, you know that he wrote for the school football team. Okay. He reported on the college's program from my first year there through Netflix, most successful run in school history till my demise, basically when I left, I call it a celebration. They call it demise. Um, I never met the dude one time, not in person, never met him one time. How you judge a person by never meeting them in your life as harshly as someone can or does, it blows my mind. I just can't understand it. I, I, I just can't judge you if I've never met you. I can never say I hate you. I can never say I don't like you. I can never say you're a piece of shit. I can never say you're the best human being. I can't say shit because I only judge you from how you are with me. and. That's how I am. But this dude, like, I guess the president is on record saying, why don't you sit down with JB and meet him and not to talk to him? Oh, I can't. I can't. He cusses. That's what his rationale was. Listen, man, look, I, I, I just want to word this right. Look, I, I'm a video gamer. So I'll play, you know, games online like Grand Theft Auto. I used to play Call of Duty. Yeah. Look, there are kids and they put these microphones on and they're, they're talking shit. Okay. They know every curse word in the book. They oh, yeah. they'll talk, they'll talk shit with other people. So look, I, I'm not saying it's great to curse. I mean, I do it. I, I curse at the TV a lot during when I'm watching my sports teams, but I think people get way too like Jason Whitlock in that interview you did uh, on FS one. And mm -hmm. by the way, I do, I do want to go back to what you were talking about, about the uh, newspaper, but Whitlock was like, it felt like he was interrogating you, talking about your, your cursing and your drinking. Mm -hmm. And listen, Whitlock's from Kansas City, and I kind of mm -hmm. feel like... He's from Minneapolis, but yeah. Oh, oh yeah, well, he, he worked in Kansas City, I should yeah, say. Uh, I appreciate you correcting me there. Uh, but he, um, I mean, this guy's always had a lot to say, and for him to have an issue with cursing, of all things, I thought was kind of surprising. Were you ever, like, uncomfortable during that interview? I don't get uncomfortable. I just... You know, I'll just end up calling your ass out on this show. You know what I mean? That's how I work. So if it wasn't for a good friend of mine, Marcellus Wiley, who's sitting next to me grabbing my knee, I probably would have did a lot of other things that you don't see on TV because that's yeah. live. That's filmed live. So our agents had spoke too. He couldn't ask me certain things. And he still shot in a couple things that he wasn't supposed to ask. And I smiled with some dignity in class and I, and I answered him. Um, best I could, but I also said like, and Marcellus kind of broke it up with like, sorry, you could, so you cut out for a second. What did you say? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Um, you know, he's asking all these different things. And yeah. I said, you know, were you there? How do you know? How do you know when, the, when I was drinking? Cause you're acting like I was drinking at fucking 8am at practice. 
So Marcellus breaks it up like, oh, so you're saying that there's stories and levels to these narratives. And I'm like, oh, pl- uh, plenty, right? Tons of them that you'll never know about. And, uh, you know, Jason just wanted ratings, you know, he wanted yeah, it all. Of course. So, by the way, that was one of the highest rated shows that year. So, you know, it was just one of those deals. And I was pretty mild-mannered man. And Marcellus, a good friend of mine, grew up together, Compton native. He's doing really, really well now with Ocho. Yeah. There. But, uh, you know, now Jason's kind of floundered, so to speak. I think he kind of dissipated. dissipated. Um, you know, he just wanted ratings, man. And, and uh, you know, we actually ended up hanging out at a, at a big party that I had that I was asked to come to. Um, you name a person, they were there. Like from Denzel to Magic to Mike Tyson to Shaq to. Oh, wow. You name it, they were there. Dr. J, I mean, this is a big family. I know that I've basically run LA. Um, anyway, they, uh, we actually hung out and had some drinks together just talking and he was actually very, quite normal. There's a history between me and Jason Whitlock. See, the difference is he grew up in Indianapolis with a good friend of mine who hooked everything you see on TV from Adidas was given to me from an Adidas grassroot exec who basically ran all the Adidas football schools, KU, um, A&M, you know, you name an Adidas school. So that's how I got a lot of Adidas shit. Um, That's how we were sponsored by Adidas, by the way. Well, him and Whitlock are best friends went to high school together. So that's how I knew Jason before I knew Jason. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Nobody knows that one. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's crazy, man. But you know, what I wanted to go on the show for was because he had Malik Henry on the year before after the show and yeah. was basically bashing me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this fat fuck. Who was, you know, so uh, I'm glad I got to get on there and kind of, you know, oh, yeah, like, you know me. huh? Let's see. So I was supposed to go on Colin Cowherd, too. And he cowered out. <laughs> so. I don't know that that never happened, but I just talked about Callan Coward today because he was on record saying how shitty Luca was going to be, and Trey Young couldn't even get to the rack in the Big Twelve, and da 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 da. And it's crazy how the media doesn't push those videos no more. So they're actually out there. You just got to dig deep and find them. But there's videos yeah. of Skip Bayless, Stephen A., Colin Coward, Whitlock, all these guys saying these certain things, and then, like I said today on my podcast, like. I just finished before you like the circle, whatever the circle is and whoever runs it, you know, they control who comes in and out of it. And, you know, I was talking about Jason Kidd today, like Jason Kidd has never left the circle for whatever reason. And Kendrick Perkins and, and uh, Stephen A and all these people are on there. Like they're happy for him and they get a second chance and all this shit. And I know he's changed and all this shit. And I'm like, you know, Jason Kidd has changed. How do you fucking know he's changed? You live in his body? Cause I got, cause to me, I'm just being honest to me, you hit a woman or domestic violence or rape or pedophilia or any of that shit. There is no coming back. You are who you are, not what you say you are. So I don't believe there is any get back from that. So my point is like Marshall Falk was accused of sexual misconduct at NFL network. And have you heard of fucking Marshall Fox since? No, no. What's he done? Nothing. He's been blackballed. No, never was charged. Never. Nothing ever happened. 
Jason Kidd was charged and found guilty, and he's got jobs. Never left the circle. Imagine that. Some people, it's crazy how certain people can stay in it, and certain people get exiled, and it's crazy. You know, I'm I've been exiled from the gate. I've been labeled this guy. And 99.9% of people that saw it has never seen, met me, or talked to me. Well, well, that's what I want to ask you, because when the KU head coaching job was open, I posted photos. Mm-hmm. Hey, you even saw the Photoshop saying this yeah. guy should be the coach, which, by the way, I'm mad at you for not even saying something about wanting to be the coach. But you did approve of who they – I don't even – for the life of me, I don't remember who they hired. But you know him, so you approve of him, so I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide. Um, I know you don't care what I have to say about that at no, the end no, of the day. No, I appreciate um, doing it, man. That was fun. That was fun times, man. I was, hey, <laughs> like, man, I got a standing O at the damn stadium, man, when they played Oklahoma State. So I, you know, and Pat McAfee uh, show they had me on uh, last month, and we were talking about this. And, and oh yeah, that's it was, man. They standing owed me, and I was like, God damn, that's crazy. So I know the fan base, and I, you don't even know, like, you posted that, I retweeted it. it that shit blows up. And anytime a big job opens up, I don't know why I'm the first guy people blow up, you know, Florida State, Arkansas, KU. I saw someone photoshopped you and like a Philadelphia Eagles, like oh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and I I mean I appreciate the hell out of it and stuff, but like like I was I said on Pat McAfee, I said, you know, it's it's these PhD guys that got PhDs and can't even come up to with you can't even hire their own people. They hire firms to hire people just to fire you and pay you out. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's a recyclable business. Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate because they end up paying. There's really two people in this world that have earned the money. Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney. They earn what they make. Yeah. No one else has won nothing. Ed Ozron had the one year. I, I, I know Ed real well. And like I said, no shot at Ed. But I think that, that was a fluke year. He had the best team, the best co- coaches best coordinators. He lost everybody to the NFL. He's lost everybody since. I don't believe they're going to be relative again. Um, they're going to go back to being an LSU. Saban and Dabo is going to stay there for a long time, as long as they're there coaching. Who else has won something that gets paid this big money? I mean, name me somebody. Jimbo won one at Florida State. He makes $10 million at A&M. Relatively speaking, he's done nothing at A&M. He had a good year last year, but what's a good year? I mean, like to me, if you don't win at all, make 10 million, you're not worthy, but that's just me. Um, I did want to go back to some of the things you were talking about, because when I did post that photo saying you should be the head coach for KU, a lot of my followers are Chiefs fans. um, And a lot of them are from Kansas and Missouri. And there were some people from, I I mean, they, they live in independence. And I guess when I posted this photo, all kinds of, Claims were made. Oh, uh, uh, you know, he recruited me and he was changing jobs every year. Seems sketchy. Uh, oh, I, I used to work in the dorms. There were bad things happening. Uh, he, he cursed at his players. I, I lived in the city. I attended games. I mean, all these people who allegedly know you very well, they know all the terrible things you did. But for some reason, you uh, uh, came out a couple of months ago and you announced that these chargers have been dropped. Uh, what's your response when people claim they know you or they know someone who knows you and that they they've seen or heard you do all these horrible things that you've never done? Uh, that's what, that's my whole thing. Ignorance is life threatening, man. People make the assumptions, make assholes of us all. I mean, 
you never met me. And then you going like for people to talk to you saying stuff about me is how that's even to me, like even worse. Like, first of all, you don't never you never met coach Brown, but now you're talking to me about what you know about him. Like, how do you know this? Like, it's unbelievable. And you know, I, I, like I said, man, it makes my dick hard, man. I laugh like a motherfucker at the shit. I laugh at it. It's like you going out your way to, to, to fucking make assumptions of someone you've never met. Like to me, that just is, you're like the bottom, you're the bit of, you're the biggest bottom feeder I've ever seen. And there's millions of them out here. There are these people that make these fake names on Twitter and they got to live with these fake, you know, you know, they're Johnny seven, five, seven, four, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine. Cause and they have one follower and it's like, you're talking shit, bro. So who really are, who are you really? You're the guy, you're someone else that follows me that you didn't want them. You know, you didn't want me to know. And it's just funny as hell, man. I just, I just, I really find it comical. Like you're going out your way to assume some shit about something you have no clue about. Like to me, the, the, the thing that really, if it was so true, why aren't, why are my players only thinking and raving about me instead of bashing me? Why haven't you seen those guys bash me? Especially like the guys that I got through the process that are out there about to get drafted or certain things. Like, why are they not talking shit about me? Why haven't you never seen that? Like, that's, that's what's crazy to me. And then people are, the, are they're so quick to judge you know, shit they see on social media without ever really digging deep and turning over rocks and finding out like, Oh man, damn, these guys really talk co about coach greatly all the time. Maybe there's more to it. Let me go find out before I just start putting my foot in my mouth and saying coach Brown yelled at his players in the dorm. <laughs> no shit. I think Nick Saban yells at his players in the dorm too. You fucking idiot. <laughs> um, well, and uh, you, you were talking about this newspaper, and I know you wrote, uh, put out a statement. It, it's pinned on your social media, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think the newspaper you were referring to, the Montgomery uh, County Chronicle, they wrote a statement saying, I don't know if you saw that. I, I'm sure you have. We are disappointed. We did not have our day in uh, a court of law to tell our story and to show how one person used fraudulent means to attempt uh, to silence our profession. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I see you chuckling right now. Uh, like, again, like there are people that truly believe you did these things and they're accusing you or oh, they're yeah. saying they know you did. Oh, I know. Never met me. I know. This is the crazy part. So here's a, a lot of people don't know this and I could, I should have did it on my own podcast, but I didn't cause it, it like, it doesn't really make me none, I guess. I just don't really get off on coming out, telling everyone's my story when I, cause that, look, everyone forgot about this whole charge shit. If you haven't noticed. No. The whole Hitler statement thing was bigger than these charges. I heard more shit about that than I did these charges. Can I can I say something uh, real quickly about that? Because uh -huh. I'll be honest, like the first time when I watched that, I was like, whoa, that's that's not OK. Right. And then I, when I went back and rewatched the series in that same episode, you're calling him that nickname and the, the student doesn't seem like bothered by it. I'm like, oh, they put this in there, but people forget about that part. So, oh, yeah. Well, that's forgotten about people. Don't, they don't also they they don't show the deleted text and they don't show 
you know, him coming in and introducing himself to me for the first time and calling himself that I'm Hitler. So when that's happening and then he's walking around with the Mein Kampf book and I have video and pictures of it and then he's going around and everything's all good. Um, there was no issue. And then all of a sudden, when basically I was saying, I'm your new daddy, motherfucker, come here. I'm still trying to help your ass. After you were creepy, sneaking in the girls' dorms, creepy, sneaking in the girls' weight room, walking around doing the fucking salute down the hallway, cussing out teachers and dorm women in German. Then I call you my new daddy, and then the world goes crazy. But nobody knows the real, and it gets taken out of context, and then no one knows the truth, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're this, you're that. Well, they cared more about that than these eight charges, because I think the real recognizes the real and was like, hold on. If you really did the research on these eight charges, number one, I'll give you the whole story. Number one, I'm still in independence after I resign. Okay, I'm there for two more months selling my home. I leave my house there. I lived in Independence still, even though I didn't go around there. I would go to Tulsa more. I lived there. Cops knew where I lived. The judicial department and system knew I was there and lived there. Everyone knew where I lived, obviously. In a town of 9,000, I'm the head coach on a Netflix series. I think they fucking could find me there, right? I leave finally, pack my shit, sell my home, move to LA, move back home, bought a new house. I'm here for two more months in California. My agent calls me, JB, you have eight felonies charged against you. I said, really? Whatever, shut up. And we're, I, I go about talking about some other shit. He's like, no, JB, seriously, it's on Facebook. I said, it's on Facebook. I said, are you fucking with me? He's like, JB, they charge you with eight felonies in Independence, Kansas, and I found out on Facebook. And I'm like, really? That's how they charge you nowadays on Facebook. And I'm, I'm laughing about it. I'm seriously, I'm like, you got to be shitting me. It's a mistake, whatever it is. I said, I just left Kansas. I've been there the whole time. So when the charges come out, though, it states that it happened in January or February or whatever. Well, I. I was still on the job, A. B, I was still in Kansas three more months after so-called these allegations. So why didn't you ever arrest me, charge me, book me? What happened to the judicial process here? That's interesting. So, because it was a fucking witch hunt and a joke, and it was a fucking sham. And I can't talk about the rest, but I can't wait to get my day. So... The rest of it is I come home, I get this information and I'm like, yeah, whatever. This is crazy. So my lawyers are like, dude, you got to turn yourself in or we're going to call and figure this out. I'm like, what the fuck? I said, you got to be joking me. So I did a video on Instagram. It's still out there. A live video saying, listen, I know. Cause now, cause now football scoop, all these different media outlets are hitting me up. Cause it got wind of that. And now everyone's blowing me up. I'm literally driving buying furniture for my new home and my fucking shit's blowing up that I have eight felonies. So obviously anytime you hear these things, whether you're innocent or not, it puts a foul mood on you and it puts a cloud over you and you're sitting there thinking, okay, what the hell's going on here? Why are these people still out here trying to screw my life up after all I did for this fucking town? Right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, okay, 
So anyway, long story short, and a lot of stress later, and a lot of money later, and a lot of fucking jo missed job opportunities later, and a lot of lost income later, a lot of things, if you notice, are adding up here for later on in life um, when I grow up. I'm going to keep an even keel. I'm going to figure this out. So I flew to Kansas, turned myself in. Nothing even happened. They still didn't do anything. They gave me... They pushed the court day, whatever. So anyway, two and a half, three years later, I still had never had a court date. I still had never really got to tell any side of my story. I still, I'm still in shock of the charges and still have yet to hear from anyone about why they charged me, how they charged me, and for what they charged me and the reasoning behind it other than trying to fuck my life and make my life miserable because this was a witch hunt. And when you Google these eight charges, you guys should go Google these charges that they charged me with. Do you know if I walked in there tomorrow or during the time and I said, you know what? I am guilty. I did all this shit. Do you know the maximum sentence that I would serve in jail was? Take no. a guess. A year, a year, a fucking year on eight felonies. Are you kidding me? I, I don't know. That's what you were trying to get me on eight felonies for to do a year. If I were to say I even I, I am, I did it. That was me. Like you got to be the biggest slap in your taxpayer money ever in the state of Kansas. Like it's a joke. They went to they went through two DAs, by the way during this time and the attorney that come to find out, I think who I think this all happened through was a, t was a coach of mine disgruntled that I fired who had access to my computers. Cause that's what he did for me when I was on the road. Obviously he also used to watch Stogie. So he had access. Uh, it's real ironic. He lost my house key and my office key as well as my car. Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. It's real ironic. Then they find out he had eight Twitter handles that were bashing me for years. Like, it's all funny. It's all weird how it all worked out, right? So anyway, um, I believe he was in cahoots with this news reporter guy that hated me. And, and then what happened was when the whole Hitler kid thing happened, it was actually a teacher that grabbed that from him, took that to CNN, ESPN, Fox, and that's when it blew. They were the ones that blew it up. By the way, this was a teacher that I had pulled a black kid out of his out of her class because she had my black student athlete in the corner facing the corner like he was on oh. timeout in second grade. And yeah, you shared that before probation era. Yeah. Jim Crow South or something. So it's ironic when I told her, you know, you're a horrible teacher and probably the biggest racist I've ever seen as a teacher. And then it's a, it's crazy that she turns this thing in and calls me a racist. Like it's funny as shit. So it's just crazy how uh, people are and can be, man. And uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a world. Uh, it's a crazy, you know. Some people, man, just thrive for uh, seeing other people fail while they've done nothing for nobody or themselves. Or themselves, yeah. yeah. Because they're they're bottom feeders, man. They they're exactly. Waiting, they're just waiting for someone to flounder way 
you know, they use their 10 minutes of fame to try to float to the top and then end up being ate by the shark anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, by the way, I, I'm glad you brought up that story uh, about the uh, student and the teacher, because here's what happened. I uh, your your uh, podcast is on the Believe Podcast Networks, and I've had some people from Believe uh, on this podcast. Um, Joe Valerio, Eddie Law, uh, all great guys. Um and, and that's a great podcast network. I was just going through their website and I saw your podcast. I was like, holy shit, I want this guy on my podcast. So I reached out to Cam and he, he obviously introduced us to each other, which was great. Uh, I only listened to one episode of your podcast and you were talking, you talked a little bit about the show, uh, Last Chance You, and then you talked a lot of sports. I'm like, oh, this is a basically sports podcast, but um, no, you talk about a lot of different things. Um, and, and you talk about, you know, your upbringing and you grew up a lot of, uh, around a lot of black people you have a lot of black friends and you've seen the things that they've gone through and, and how they've been judged and by the way uh, and i know you've kind of talked about this in a political sense and how because of this crazy political scheme we're in and, and how things are always judged politically which is i think is just ridiculous um i i saw you did a podcast with um these two irish guys and i, I thought it was a really good podcast and I remember you lashed out on uh, both Trump and Biden. So for those who like Trump, just relax. He also lashed out on Biden, too. And I remember at the end of your comment, I was laughing. These guys were saying, wow, uh, thank you for sharing that. We appreciate you uh, giving your commentary on, on the political stuff. I'm like, wow, in America, they tell you to shut up and dribble or stick to sports. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, oh, but, but yeah, but yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. They were like some big TikTok guys, man. They got like millions of followers out there. I don't know. It's, oh, okay. uh, they, hit me up. they hit me up and uh, yeah, uh, they were good dudes. Um, yeah. They're brothers. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, you, you touch on so many different great subjects on your podcast about, uh, I mean, I know you've talked about Colin Kaepernick and I know you've touched on Eric Bietemi. I mean, a lot of people in Kansas city talk about, you know, is he not getting a job because he's black? I mean, that's been the, the commentary for a couple of years now. Um, you've talked about a lot of these kinds of things, and I know it makes some people uncomfortable, but I, I think you do a great job with that commentary on your podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, that's why I call it slapdick, man. Everyone thought it was going to be sports or something. I was like, nah, I'm just going to be I – don't, I don't write my shit out. I just come up with it. I do try to do three a week or whatever I do, however many I can get in and uh, – Shit, I just I just ad lib them, man, and then and I think about the topic and whatever the title of the show is, I try to I try to go off that. So, like today, ignorant privilege was the title of my show. So ignorant privilege, and I ran with it, and I talked about these media people talking about Trey Young being shitty, Luca being a slow man's Larry Bird, all this stuff, and. Now it's biting them in the ass because now these two are the best in the business, basically. And Trey Young has his team in the Eastern Conference Finals. Lucas torched the two so-called number one defenders in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard two years in a row. And I just were talking about in general, like you guys can say what you want and nothing, no repercussions, no issues. It's, it's ignorance with a privilege to it and people believe what they say because of their privilege and where they are in the platform they have. And, uh, it's kind of crazy to me. Like our, Hendrick Perkins making a statement that he knows Jason Kidd learned from his mistake. Yeah. See where I grew up, a black person where I grew up would have never even got the second chance. 
lost. So you can say he learned or not learn. He ain't getting that chance. Jason Kidd is has a privilege to him. And I call it ignorant privilege because he continued, he did ignorant shit and had a privilege about allowed to keep him in the circle. And he's still in the circle and he got another job. And people forget he was already a coach two times after this whole incident of domestic violence. He's been a head coach twice since. (laughs) So this is not new. All of a sudden it's being brought up. Like he already has done it. So I get what he's saying about, okay, let's bring up the black hire because he's a domestic violence um, offender. Well, he already's had two other jobs. Where was this talk then? Like he's already been coaching. It's not like Jason Kidd just came out of Walmart fucking bagging groceries and now got the head job. Yeah. Like he's been in the circle, but like guy like Marshall Falk, he gets blackballed and don't even have charges and never was, you know, he was accused, but never charged. And the same lady that accused him accused Donovan McNabb, Ike Taylor, seven other administrators, like all kind of NFL network people. And, uh, I told people on my podcast, I've seen this many times. I've seen the, the, usually the white girl accusing the black guy of rape, domestic violence, whatever, because they come from a town of nine and their dad finds out they slept with a brother. And now, no, you didn't. You're claiming rape. And now it's an embarrassment to the dad or whoever who's probably some, you know, redneck farmer somewhere who's like, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't sleep with no black dude. Fuck that. He raped you. I've seen it and I've played with players that have had it happen. And then I've coached players that had it happen. So I know it still happens. And at some point it's like, wait up. The girls can say all this shit and do all these things. And these guys go to jail and get their name tarnished. Nothing happens to them. Um, and, they, and then they come out. How many have came out as liars? Like how many has been proven liars? Like, and nothing's happened. But yeah. the dude, you know, the dude's tarnished for life, regardless, because perception's reality, regardless if you beat the charges, you were accused of rape. And you're going to be that for the rest of your life. And it's crazy. Oh, he got charged. He got, he, I seen you defend me one time on something and some guy's like, oh, he's just a guy that has eight felony. And you were like, <laughs> actually, you beat him. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like these motherfuckers just talk. They just I, talk to talk. I, I I got a I got a message uh, a message once on Facebook or message comment I can't remember. Someone goes, "Oh, uh, there's a reason why Jason Brown was fired uh, from Independence." I was like, "If you can prove to me he was fired, not only will I delete my uh, social media, oh, yeah. I I will make Jason yeah. delete all his social yeah, yeah. media." So yeah. show that and I'll make it happen. Yeah. I wasn't. I could have fought the shit out of it and still, but I still, hey, they paid me and I resigned. Fuck them. Uh, I do want to ask you, and by the way, we do have some Twitter questions as well that I want to get to. Uh, there was a couple of good questions on there. Uh, you have talked a lot about the NCAA. And by the way, I cannot say this with a straight face. You call the NCAA the non-caring assholes of America. Um, and by the way, there's a really great book uh, called Unpaid Professionals by Andrew Zimbalist. I remember... Um, this was a, a book we had to have for a, a college class. And uh, I definitely want to reread it again sometime. I, I wanted to bring this up with you. Um, it does talk about these kinds of things uh, that go on in the NCAA. Um, okay. I mean, kind of an obvious answer, but I'll, I'll ask it anyway. Why do you call them the non-caring assholes of America? Um, I mean, to be, it's really uh, cut and dry in my opinion. I mean, that's what they are. They don't care about any other players, um, the student play, uh, athletes. Um you know, they, 
I don't know if you saw that, you know, the women's golf team that basically they shut down the finals that you see the asshole stand out there and basically tell him and walk around about face and walked out with his entourage right back in. Like it was no big deal at all. Um, you got girls out there crying and shit. Um, they, they don't give a care in the world, man. This is what they are. They've been this way for a long time. One of my best friends in the world growing up, went to high school together, every, uh, you know, a, a national champion, Ed O'Bannon. He is responsible for this whole process on suing the NCAA. He's the one that got the ball rolling years ago. Um, you know, former high school teammate, UCLA Bruin, national champ, NBA player, you know, 10 years or whatever. Um, he started this deal for the whole, you know, uh, likeness thing for these kids. And um, so, I, you know, I've known it's been this way forever. I mean, they, they don't give a shit about it. It's all about money. It's all about, uh, you know, <laughs> a guy pays for his girlfriend to go to a Rose Bowl game and it's okay. Uh, you're going to suspend him, Chase Young. You're going to suspend him um, for that. And then, you know, you can sell their jerseys and make profit off them all day long and no problem. Yeah. Huh? Like you gotta be shitting me. So it's about the human element is not in their thought process at all. They have not one give a shit one care about the human element, the parent family, girlfriend, family, friends element to come see these kids in their hundred thousand uh, people arenas uh, stadiums to see these kids that represent your institution and your entity um, only to continue to, you know, suspend them for this, suspend them for that. Like, come on, man, it's, it's crazy. And now you've opened up a transfer portal on top of that where you look more ignorant than ever thinking that's going to be a moneymaker for you. And now you have 1,500 kids in a portal sitting here right now people don't know i still have access to the portal if you have 1500 kids in the portal and there's only 106 division one schools or whatever it is 126 or whatever so i mean you're talking about ignorance is life-threatening where the fuck are these kids going all 1500 kids ain't going to 100 schools so i don't know man you know it's just they, they just they don't give a shit about anything anyone um They don't care. And it's all about them. It's about the money. And, you know, you know, why did the NCAA March Madness take so long after the NBA suspended play when the pandemic hit? Why did they wait so fucking long? Why did they continue to try to make it happen? Because it was March Madness. It was their biggest money maker. Like, why did the SEC play this year and no one else did? Like, come on, man. Like, it is... There's a reason they, you know, they tried to make sure the March Madness was going to play. They tried to play that shit, man. Think about it. Cause they didn't shut down for what? Four days later after the NBA said, okay, we are not, we're shutting this down. Yeah. They I think they were one of the last people. They tried, tried, tried. They wanted to play that tournament. They knew their money was there. They didn't give a shit about those kids. Like, I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. That was a really crazy time or crazy week. Just hearing all these things get shut down and uh, first there was no fans and then it just got worse. I mean, it, it was changing by the hour. It was, uh, I'll never forget that week. That was honestly one of the weirdest yeah. things uh, in life uh, for sure. Uh, a couple of other things I want to ask you and then uh, read a couple of Twitter questions and then we'll uh, wrap this up. Uh, 
I, I've tried to do research on this and I don't, I can't really find anything. I know you weren't with the team very brief, uh, very long, uh, but you were, uh, you were a former Kansas City Chief. And by the way, I had uh, Jason Dunn, who was a tight end for the Chiefs. And we talked about him on, on um, Hard Knocks. Uh-huh. And uh, I mentioned that you uh, have talked about in the past how the second year, the second season that we see on Last Chance, you season four, the reason you guys struggled so much is because there were a lot of people that showed up wanting to be on the team, but they enrolled in classes and they would get involved with the dorms and the cameras and all that. Jason Dunn was backing up what you said, saying that on Hard Knocks, there were a lot of young players on the team that year. So many people were playing to the cameras. So he wanted me to tell you that he 100% agrees with everything you said. Yeah, yeah. But um, I can't find like any information about your time with the Chiefs. Uh, uh, when you were, you mentioned on the on the show, it was the same year Larry Johnson uh, was a rookie. So I think that was 2003, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know yeah, it was. Yeah, I was at OTAs and camp uh, before I got cut the first time. Um Priest Holmes had won the MVP, I believe, that year. Trent Green was a QB. Uh, Did you play a preseason game with the Chiefs? Uh, yes, the first year. Okay, so in 2003. I want to say it was 02, wasn't it? Or 02. Because I'm really curious. I mean, look, I know people don't keep track of preseason yeah, games, but if I there's a way say, to. I, I want to say it was 02. I, I have, I think I have footage. It's all VHS tape, but. It was, I think it was 02 because I, I left Fort Hayes and went to the Arena League. Well, actually, I left Fort Hayes, got got an invite actually with the Ravens because um, the, the, if you watch the very first Hard Knocks, was a guy named Art Perkins who ran player personnel for Ozzie Newsom. He's a Compton College alum where I'm from. He was, our, he was my head coach's head coach. He just, I think he's with the Titans now, but anyway. He played running back for the Chargers, big, huge back at the time. His name's Art Perkins. Well, he got me into OTAs with the Ravens. I did well there in a three-day mini camp type of situation, and the Chiefs brought me in for a workout, and I did well there for a couple weeks to keep me around um, to try to get on the practice squad for the duration of the season. Didn't work out. I ended up going to NFL Europe. And then uh, ended up leaving that because the money was plenty, we called it. And he, we, I went to the Arena League and played in Chicago and then ended up in Bakersfield, California for an Arena 2 team. Um, so, you there? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do Sorry. research as then, you're saying all this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, at that time. So, yeah. Pe- people always say that shit. And it's like, I got to, like, my friends have to, like, show, show – pictures and shit of like them being at the game because back then there was no there wasn't this what we have now there was no youtube there was no social media you can't find my highlight video like these young kids are trying to find my highlight you can't find that shit you can't find on anyone past 2002 or something or yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to look on some of the like football db and pro football reference like they show the score of these preseason games but they don't have like the stats or anything yeah it's just uh i think uh I don't know. I got a game. I got a new game against like the Panthers or something. Remember, I tried to keep it regional for the most part. There was only like one game that's decently far. Most of them are in the, back in that time was all train travel. So we played like the Rams, the Colts, uh, Denver. That was basically it. Like for our four preseason games. That's how it kind of worked. But Rams were St. Louis at the time. You had uh, the Colts weren't too 
that or Chicago. So they kept it regionally just for travel limitations. And that's kind of what the NFL was at that time. But nowadays, I don't fuck. They go to Europe and shit. So it's just changed. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you, you brought this up on your podcast and I, I did not know this about you. You played uh, high school basketball. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And I guess you had one of the best teams um, in the nation. Talk about that. We were number one in the nation all four years. <laughs> who, who were you playing with? Ed O'Bannon, who I just mentioned. He was the number one player in America. Oh, okay. Uh, Charles O'Bannon, his little brother, who also won the national title at UCLA. Avondre Jones, who was the number one center in America, who basically gave uh, Joe Smith and Marcus Camby the business in the tournament that year. Um, went to USC as a true freshman, then went to junior college. Then he ended up going to Fresno State and played with Jerry Tarkanian and then Fresno State team with all those loaded players. I don't know if you remember Chris Heron. They used to call him. Chris Heron, they used to call him Chris Heron, um, played for Boston Celtics as well. But anyway, uh, shit, I can, James Cotton, Shea Cotton, you know, Jason Capono and James Harden came after me, much after me. Um, Jason Capono's two years younger than me. Obviously, Harden's, you know, 12 years or so. Um, but yeah, Artesia High School, um, yeah. we had the most national title, or we had the most state championships for a long time there for a while. Um, yeah, we played for a legendary guy and I just played for shits and giggles, man. And, uh, I was just hacking dudes and I was a football player that actually was pretty good in basketball growing up, but I just, uh, you know, we, we had five NBA players. Like I, I wasn't going to ever play play, you know? Um, yeah. but being on the teams and uh, during those runs playing against the Jock Vaughns, the Baron Davises, the, uh, Mark Madsons, the Keith Van Horns, the, Austin Crocheers, um, Jason Kids. Um, we played them in the state up in California, up in Oakland. You know, I got to see a lot of these great NBA players. I actually got to guard them or hack them or see them run by me, you know. Uh, I do want to read a couple of Twitter questions. Uh, this one is from uh, at J underscore Phillips 88. A uh, big UT fan and was wondering what your opinion of coach Sark is. How does, uh, how do you think he will do and uh, your opinion of the UT program under the previous regime? Um, you know, we grew up together, obviously talk a lot. Good dude. Um, you know, got a bad rap too. At the same time, you know, we all make mistakes, but I think, uh, there's a lot to that. There's still yet to be any proof that he was drunk on the job, just so we're clear. So everyone out there knows. So everyone wants to make these assumptions. Um, I know the real, but that's his business. Uh, you know, I think he's going to do great. I think he's going to do well. You know, he, he's coached under Pete Carroll. He's coached under Nick Saban. I mean, you can argue at the, at the time of their height, the two best college football players, I mean, coaches maybe of all time. Um, so he's learned some from the two best, in my opinion. And I think he'll tell you this, you know, Nick Saban's Nick Saban because of Pete Carroll going to the NFL. <laughs> that's, that's true. So yeah. people don't realize that. Um, but I think he's going to do great. I think he's doing great already in recruiting. I think he's got a rejuvenated mindset. And I think he's uh, hired some good staff that are, are uh, going to help him with the X and O's portion. 
Sark will handle the recruiting and the relationship building stuff with the kids. And then everything else from there is just going to be down to uh, getting those guys coached out coaching those other, but it's, I think the talent he's already accumulated is better than they have been. Uh, this is from at Andrew W three, six, eight, eight, six, nine, three, two. Oh yeah. I'm sure he's a legit dude. <laughs> Uh, he, he asked, uh, what advice do you have for all the young coaches? Shut the hell up. Um, the true advice is man, you know, be a sponge, be a damn sponge, work on bad staffs because I think we all need to be on some, whether you're in a business or a stat or a coach, you need to work with bad people because you learn how not to do shit and you learn from those bad experiences in my opinion and it makes you better and that's just my true opinion uh but be a sponge take shit from different people and massage it into your own um football is a thieves game i think the world the real life world is a thieves game we all take shit from everyone and massage in their own some people outright take it and steal it and then trademark it and shit like that but uh some people actually take certain bits and pieces from different people and massage it into their own thing and come up with their own ideology and create this, you know, this thing. So um, that's better than it was before. But, you know, I, I just tell people all the time when the coach asks you for something, biggest compliment you can ever have is here it is coach on the spot. Not I'll get it back to you tomorrow. Da, 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 da. The biggest yeah. compliment. Hey man, I need this. Here you go. Really? That will shock treat the the office people will know all right this dude's on top of his shit i remember uh watching one of your shows live and i know you broadcast these live on you your podcast on youtube and people can can comment and you interact with them someone was asking for advice they're saying you know should i start a certain player and they were being very vague about why that was such a big deal and then they he said oh i'm dating his mom and you were just like, dude, you're in the wrong profession if you're oh, yeah, dating yeah, yeah. them. I remember the that. Something like that. I remember something like that. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's like, wait, what exactly is going on here yeah, yeah. with this team? Uh, um, yeah. This. Oh, well, well, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, this is the last question. It's from. <laughs> I know you're going to have a lot to say about this username at Fart Whistle One. Uh, uh, why do you name your cigar Slapdick? Because that's my fucking brand, slapdick. No, I, I've always wondered, actually, like, like what, what made you pick that name uh, for for your whiskey and your cigars? Like, because I, because I, obviously you say that a lot. Oh, you you can't hear me. Uh, you're not hearing me, are you? Can't hear you. Oh, I hear you. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I can't hear you. You can't hear me. Um, well, <laughs> this is awkward. I, I just... I can't hear you. Okay, well... Um, yeah, I don't know what to do. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I can't hear you. All right, well, that's okay. Um, hold on, I'm just going to type in the chat. Uh, Did you, you hit mute? No. Did I? No, uh, I didn't hit mute. Your sound I, just cut out on me. I don't know why. Um, uh, hold on a second. Let me restart this. Okay. All right. 
So JB uh, is going to restart this. We'll see uh, what happens here. It, it, technology, shit happens. Uh, I know this happened on one of Jason's podcasts, by the way. Um, so that's always. You. Oh, you got me now? Yeah, I don't know what happened. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I've always wondered, like, how'd you pick the name Slapdick? It's my trademark. Oh, well, Slapdick's a term football coaches have been calling each other army people. My dad used to call each other an army in the fucking 50s, 60s. You know, Slapdicks have been around forever. I never, I didn't make up the word. People always like, oh, no shit. I never said I made the word, but I trademarked that bitch. I registered it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to make sure of that. But uh, I just made the word sexy, I guess. I don't know. I also call you fuck stick and shit bird. I, I don't know. That, that's that been around too, I think. So uh, I just use words that are conducive for success. <laughs> uh, one thing I really appreciate about the Pat McAfee uh, uh, segment I was going to ask you, you know, what's like worse from uh, slapdick, shitbird, and fucksick, but but they asked you that. So now I know the answer to that. So there's no need to go yeah, over it. I got to get my book, man. There's a, there's a chapter in there about it in my book actually called Slapdicks, Fucksticks, and Shitbirds. That's the name of the chapter. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to tell you, I, I have not read your entire book. I've read a little bit of it, and I don't want to give anything away, but uh, just, just from the first chapter, I mean, you've gone through adversity in your life and I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to give things away in the book, but I really do hope people do buy your book real quickly. Uh, and I, I see the book right behind you. Uh, how can people buy that? Uh, it's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon still, or you can get it as personalized or uh, autographed by me, Venmo me, Coach JB12 um, on Venmo. But I, I, shit, I probably sell 150 books a week signing them on social media, man. So, um, but people still buy them on, on Amazon. You can go to Barnes and Nobles, um, in store or online. So every, every way you can get a book, I guess. Uh, real quickly. I know, uh, you're, you're traveling now. You do some, uh, some co you're going, uh, from different programs, talking to kids and, and whatnot. Uh, and, and I believe you have a little, uh, I, I don't know if I can say a whole lot. You did send me an invite, which I really appreciate. Uh, unfortunately I'm not able to attend, but, uh, can you tease or talk about some of the upcoming projects you have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, shoot, man. I've got so much going on, man. I'm, I'm actually been on the, going on the road speaking. Um, okay. I'll give you, I'll give you some your fans some insight. I got, I got asked to interview for a junior college head coaching job. Um, so there was a hundred applicants. I applied. Um, it was word of mouth that they wanted me to so you know you can always find out certain things about certain things when you're in the circle kind of so to speak anyway i applied i get a call to interview i said okay so they may be serious about it so there's 100 applicants they interviewed i think 11 of us then they called me back again after the first interview and we had a final interview and i didn't get the job but there were some people on the committee that people that i know knew and this is a, I guess, a little teaching moment, moment for some folks, especially you young coaches. All jobs aren't good jobs. And I tell people that all the time. Yes. And it was a paying job that paid well and everything. And so, so, so forth and so on. But, you know, I'm at the age where, and I believe I have the resume that can dictate certain things that if you want me, I'm going to make you really want me. And in my opinion, there's a difference between needing me and wanting me. And, and that's the same for us. Like, you know, I think there's jobs that, you know, there's, there's, there's 
there's livelihoods that you have to do and that you want to do. Um, you know, word gets back that by far you were the best. If you guys want to win, this is the hire. And everyone looked at him and they were like, well, he scares us. He's a risk. He was too honest with us. And when I found out this shit back with some of the shit they told me, I was laughing so hard. I, I was like, there's a reason I did the things and said the things I did 10 years ago, I would have been a politically correct answerer, and I would have got the job possibly. Now I'm saying to your questions on what do you want from an admin? This is what I want. You know, <laughs> I was too honest with them. And that's where we are today. And I'm, that's why I have no super hard burning desire to go back into coaching. It, it I, not only has it happened once it's happened twice where these people are out here really like we're in a soft ass world society, man. We're in, ex, we're in a kid accepting first business. The kid runs the shit. We have to adhere to the kids demands. That's where we are right now, by the way, these are PhDs and doctorate and master degrees holders that are, that are staying, saying these things. These are people that are like, can't realize that these motherfuckers have yet to pay a mortgage. These kids have not paid a light bill, yeah. but yet they're demanding from their mothers what they want to eat and what not to eat when you're shopping for them. Like yep. now you're adhering to them to hire a coach because this guy's too risky. This guy's this. Oh, we're going to have a social media bombardment. This is going to be a media outcry. That's what some of the things were. Why not bring me in for a final for the, for the job either. It's like, you knew this going in. Why would you want me to interview? You know what I mean? And now it's a, I kind of have an idea that I think people are reaching out to me to increase their pool status on who the applicants are going to be. See, my name gets out there that I'm in this pool of interviews now. Oh, shit, really? This job must be good. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm telling you, it's a cold business, man. It's a cold world. It's crazy out there. So you young coaches, man, not every job's uh, the, a good job. Well, JB, uh, you've been very generous to me uh, with your time uh, coming on this podcast. And I know you've even shouted out my podcast a couple of times on yours uh, so I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Uh, you're always great to talk to. A lot of great topics we can always get into. I, I know we don't have all the time in the world. If we did, we can talk about so many other things, but we'll save that for another time. Uh, hey, thank you so much for coming on, man. Uh, we'll keep in touch. We'll uh, we'll do this again down the road. Yeah, definitely, man. Anytime. Appreciate it. All right. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to this episode of Farscast. If you enjoyed the episode, Spread the love on social media. Hit the share button. Subscribe. Let your friends know about the podcast. Go check out the Slapstick Podcast as well. Enjoy your 4th of July holiday weekend. Don't do anything too crazy. Be safe. Have a good time. I will talk to you guys later. Take care.